This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? This is your good friend Bob Cook, and I'm glad to be back with you to share from God's wonderful Word, the Bible. We're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm discussing with you currently the list of negatives and positives that Paul used in describing his own ministry. It was important to him, evidently, as under the guidance of the Holy Spirit he wrote to these people, to have them remember what happened when he came to them. He said, our entrance and to you was not in vain. He said, I didn't back off one inch, even though they beat me up and treated me badly in Philippi. He said, I was, I was bold in God to speak unto you the gospel with much urgency. Then he begins to tell us what, what uh, characterized his ministry. Our exhortation, he said, no deceit, I told you the truth, no uncleanness, my own life was right with God. No guile, I didn't try to manipulate you. No flattering words, I didn't try to cultivate you. No covetousness, I wasn't out to get a larger love offering. No seeking of glory from people, I didn't want a a, a citation of honor for having been the best of something. He said, this wasn't my approach. But, he said, I considered that God allowed me to be in trust with the gospel. God believed in me enough to trust me with the most precious message in all the world, in trust with the gospel. And then when we were talking just the last time we got together, we were looking at verse 7, gentle. I was gentle, like a nurse takes care of her own children. You may be taking care of somebody else's children, and you're kind, and you're firm, and you're faithful, but when it is your own, it touches your heartstrings more deeply. And he said, you were like my own children. Then he said, I was affectionately desirous of you. And I think that's where we were the last time we got together. Now, what is the result of being affectionately desirous? That is really to care about people and want the best for them. Why, he said, we were willing to have imparted not only the gospel to you, but our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Because you were dear unto us unto us, our own souls. How about that? He said, not just what I was going to tell you, but my very life poured out to you because you were dear. And he uses agape, the word agape, Calvary love. Agape toy, this is the, 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 the modifier that he uses there. It's related to that Greek verb, verb, uh, agapao, and we get the noun agape, God so loved the world, John three sixteen kind of love. That's the kind of word he uses here. You were, you were dear to me in Calvary love, John three sixteen kind of love, heavenly love, Jesus love. That's how I felt to you. And he said that that made me willing not only to give you the message, but give myself to you as well. Our own soul uses the word psyche, the word psych, that we have psychology and so on. That's the root that he has here. The, the inner person, the, the whole personality given to. How do you? See, it's one thing to say this. It's another thing to apply it. And I try to put a handle on it for you. 
don't I? Uh, how do you actually give yourself to somebody? Have you thought about that? It's not only what you do for them. All of us have been in the position of people doing something for us and then and then uh, sort of spoiling it by reminding us that they did it. Hope you appreciate this. I missed my lunch to give it to you. Well, I wish you had had your lunch and forget the whole thing. <laughs> you know, uh, there's, a, there's a sense in, in which doing things doesn't really involve giving yourself. Now, sometimes it does, but there has to be more involved, doesn't there? There has to be a sense of, of valuing the other person in what you say and do. How do you give yourself to somebody? Number one, notice them. Number two, spend time with them. Number three, listen to them. Most of us are so busy telling that we, that we forget to listen. Listen and ask questions, actually. One of the rules of listening is learn to ask questions to draw the other person out. Tell me again about this. Or what else can you tell me about that? Learn to ask questions and listen carefully. Think ahead of the person when you're talking. Where, where is he or she heading? So you know the direction in which the conversation is, is developing. Be very, very uh, scarce with your own opinions. Most people don't want your opinion. Have you found that out? It's amazing. Somebody comes to you and says, I'd like your advice. What they want is for you to listen to them and agree with them for the most part. That's human nature. I'm not being hard on us now. That's just the way it is. Be very shy with giving your own opinion. Uh, you might phrase what you want to get across in terms of a question. Have you ever thought of this? I learned that from Ben Weiss, my friend of many years, now with the Lord. He said, I, I used to plod around and talk to members of my faculty, uh, people who might be critical of me, and I would say, uh, there's an idea, I'm not sure I agree with it, what do you think of this? And he'd ask a question. Uh, things taught as though we taught them not, things remembered as though they were things forgot. That's the old rule. How do you do this? How do you give yourself? You put yourself in the other person's place, you empathize with that person so that you actually feel how he or she is feeling. And then you relate all of that to the blessed word of God and to the indwelling Holy Spirit of God and let the Lord work through you. Weep with, re rejoice with those that do rejoice and weep with those that weep, Paul said. He entered into, see, you give yourself by entering into the experiences and the feelings of those with whom you're dealing. That doesn't mean you become the victim of what is victimizing them. But you enter into it in your own heart and your own feelings. You don't have to become the victim of, of drug abuse in order to give yourself in love and concern to one who is under that slavery. You understand me? He said, I was willing to give myself to you, my whole life to you. It doesn't mean to die. It means to pour himself out just his whole life, his whole soul, just to give himself. So I've given you some of the ideas that are involved. Notice the person, listen to the person, consider the person of value, uh, ask questions, put yourself in their place, 
Let your own heart be touched with the way they feel. Relate all of this to the Word of God and the indwelling Holy Spirit of God and pour out God's love with them and lead them to take action for themselves based on God's Holy Word. To give yourself. It takes time. Sometimes it takes money. And uh, always it takes energy. It takes something of you. Anybody who's in counseling know that you, you come home from your day of counseling people and you, you feel wrung out. You, act, you feel absolutely drained. Uh, why? Have you been digging ditches that you're so tired? Oh, no. Have you been lifting bricks? Oh, no. Have you been repairing cars? Oh, no. I've just been listening to people. But you feel drained. Why? Because you gave yourself to them. That's how it is. So it always takes energy, and it, it always takes time, and sometimes it takes some of your substance because you can't say God bless you to a hungry person without feeding him. But in any case, the secret of successful ministry for the Lord Jesus is to give yourself to the needy person for Jesus' sake. Well, he said, you remember... This is verse 9. He remember our labor and travail for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable to any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. He was a tent maker and he worked. It says laboring night and day. So he worked nights as well. No overtime pay for Paul. He said, I made my own way. Now, is this, does this teach then that every preacher ought to? Some denominations have been founded upon the idea that their pastors should also be self-supporting. Well, it's not a bad idea, but uh, it's, uh, it's not really taught in all of the New Testament that anyone who preaches the gospel ought to support himself. Uh, contrarywise, Paul says, let the elders that rule be counted worthy of, of double honor because the scripture says, don't muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. You ought to pay your pastor. And they ought to pay him or her, because they're women pastors now, aren't they, adequately. Uh, not just, just, uh, just a meager pittance. Uh, traditionally, traditionally, people have been stingy with their, with their minister. I don't know why that is so, but you've run a, I, haven't had the, I haven't had the unfortunate experience of coming up against that congregation. I must say, <clears throat> I was in the pastorate 18 years, and people were very kind to Corrine and to me. But uh, I started out, my salary was, I think, what was it when I first started? It was $30 a week, and then they raised me to $32 a week because I was getting married. <laughs> I'll tell you, I took every funeral, every wedding, and every preaching engagement I could find in order to spell out that. But that's all they had. They were, they were doing as well as they could at the time. Uh, traditionally, however, many a church has been a little stingy with their pastor, and they expected him to be sort of evangelically shabby so that, that he wouldn't be in danger of being too proud. Well, be that as it may, Paul said, I didn't want to be chargeable to any of you. I could have been because I'm an apostle. I could have said, listen, give me a place to stay and take care of my room and board and, and pay me because I'm an apostle. He said, I could have said that, but I didn't. Now, what was his point? He said, I wanted you to know that this was for real. 
Now there are sometimes there are sometimes when you have to make the extra effort to <clears throat> make sure that your message is believable. If people know that that uh, you are coming to them with a message while they're in need but you don't have any such need, they're going to say, well, he's, he's all right. He's feeling fine, but look at me. Paul uh, said, I made my own way. Bob Pierce used to say so earnestly, you have to deserve a hearing for the gospel. And so we would bring boatloads of rice and other supplies over for the refugees during the Korean War. And, and uh, World Vision throughout the years has has specialized in meeting needs in crisis areas of the world. You know about that. So deserving a hearing for the gospel is what Paul was working on. He said, I labored because I didn't want you to say, well, we have to take care of him. No, he said, I wanted you to believe the message that I brought you. So wrap this all up and say to yourself, I have to do whatever I have to do to make my gospel believable to the people I speak to. Let me get back to this the next time we get together. Dear Father, today, oh, make us worthy of the message we preach, and may the life we live among people make our message believable. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.